How was everybody today? My name is Kevin Weed. I'm one of the elders here, and we're going to go and address the obvious. I'm sitting on a stool. Uh, it's not a prop for a really cool story um, or illustration. Um, it's because my back hurts. Um, and I'm not exactly sure how I hurt my back, but I, I have a, a pretty good idea. About eight months ago, um, I had a friend ask me to start training together. I'll, I'll refer to him as David Ramirez. And, um, and, and I'm an active guy, and so it's like, yeah, sure, you know, let's get after it. And, and it was really great for me because I got to show up, and he would put all the programming together, and, and I showed up one day, and there was this green bag. And I don't know if he meant to make it the color of kryptonite, but it was, it was kryptonite. And uh, so I don't know what was in the bag. I still don't know. I know it was heavy. I know I should have never lifted the green bag. Um, I'm sure my back pain has nothing to do with my pride or my own arrogance in thinking I could lift the green bag. Um, but uh, I, I hope you guys will give me a little bit of latitude this morning just to sit here so that I don't have to stand and have my back hurt. For whatever reason, when I stand up, it's when, it's when it hurts the most. Um, so thank, thank you guys for being patient with me. So this morning, I'm going to start by telling you uh, just a story um, about a meeting I had for work the week before last. Um, I was in a room with five people and we had to go around each of us and talk about what our strengths and weaknesses were and the things that we value. Um, and that's always a little bit awkward. I, mean, I don't know about you guys, but in particular when you're talking about, tell me what your strengths are. Like, let's, let's hear you talk about what you think you're good at. And it's, just, it's just weird for me. Um, but I, you know, I had to get through it. I didn't have a choice. And I'm sitting in this room with, with all these guys that are just brilliant people. Um, and so, we, you know, one guy, he's like, well, I, you know, my strengths are I've got six patents for all this stuff that you probably won't understand. And then the guy next to him is like, well, I discovered bacon. He was like, oh, man, bacon, like game over. You can't compete with the guy who discovered bacon. Even the guy with the six patents was looking at the ground like, I got, I got nothing. I can't, can't compete with bacon. Even if you put a guy on the moon, you can't really compete with bacon. So we come around and it's my turn and, and I run down the things that I think are my strengths and one of the guys in the room is sitting there and he's nodding his head a little bit and he says, so essentially your, your strengths are really basic stuff. And I sat there for a second and I said, well, sometimes the simplest things are the most difficult things to do. I don't think you can focus too much on the fundamentals. And that's what we've been doing as a church here over the course of the last couple of weeks. We've been talking about things that are fundamental to us as disciples of Jesus. Shannon kicked off the new year talking about the importance of reading God's Word. And Duncan last week took us back to Genesis a little bit, I guess, um, and talking about the importance of community. So this morning, I'm going to be talking about prayer. I almost got up here after Shannon prayed and was just like, Amen, we're good. Um, the, the message today was on prayer. Shannon nailed it. Um, we're, we're, we can go ahead and do review and, and move on to what's next. Prayer is a pretty broad topic, isn't it? So there are a lot of different directions that, that we could go with prayer this morning. We could talk about corporate prayer. We could talk about personal prayer. We could drill into all the real granular definitions of prayer and their meaning, uh, which if you're interested in that, there's a really awesome book by Tim Keller called Prayer, where, where he addresses a lot of the, the intricacies of prayer. We could go heavy. We could talk about how the prayers of a husband are hindered if he doesn't love, serve, and honor his wife well. I decided I'm going to pass that buck to Shannon Stanley or Steve. Um, I'm going to let them carry that torch. Uh, we could examine the prayer life of Jesus. Um, we see 25 examples in Scripture where he prays during his earthly ministry. Uh, he prayed before he picked the disciples. Uh, he prayed and gave thanks before he fed the 5,000. 
Uh, we see him praying in the midst of many different circumstances. He prayed before he made decisions. Uh, he prayed in difficult situations. Uh, he prayed for others. Uh, we see him praying even while he's hanging from the cross. Um, I thought about going through how to pray, uh, but then I, I think Shannon's going to do a sermon series on that this summer or potentially next week, depending upon how this morning goes, I'm guessing. I, I could get Stanley'd. Um, if you guys don't know what, what that means, you can ask Shannon or Stanley what that's all about. Um, but I thought we'd try to focus on two things, what prayer is and why we pray. Uh, so we're going to get started before we open the Word of God by just running down a few things that prayer is and is not. So prayer is not a wish, a demand, or magic. God is not a genie, and the Creator of the universe doesn't take orders from us. He doesn't need us to do anything to move Him or unleash Him or activate Him in any way. And it's important that we know that when we pray, we're not praying in a position of control, uh, but, a, but in a place of submission. Prayer is powerful and effective, though. We've seen the impact that prayer has had on people here at Redeemer Church, on people, on families, on this place, as we've prayed for things and prayed for direction here, and God's been faithful in honoring that. It is important to know that when we pray, our prayer isn't effective because of the people who are praying it, but because of the gracious God who hears the prayers of His people. Prayer is not a guarantee against adversity. And some of you are shaking your head like, thank you, Captain Obvious, for that note, that prayer is not a guarantee against adversity. But Scripture tells us that. Scripture tells us that in this world, we will have trouble. But adversity gets our attention, though, doesn't it? Adversity is one of those things that drives believers and even non-believers to pray. It motivates us to, to cry out and draw close to God. And when we do cry out, prayer is how we receive peace and comfort as we process through our pain and suffering. A great example of this is Job. Uh, we see him process through his circumstances with, with prayer, but we never see him deny God or, or uh, walk away from him. Prayer isn't always comfortable. This is, we're, we're in church. This is the trust tree. We can't be honest here. We can't be honest anywhere. I'm sure you guys are familiar with the game Duck, Duck, Goose, where you go, you know, you have kids sitting in a circle and somebody goes around and says duck, taps them on the head, says duck, duck, and then they say goose, and somebody gets up and runs around and chases them down, and then they tag each other, and then they have to switch places. But why, if you've ever been a part of that game or seen it, when they're going around and they're saying duck, you can almost see the anxiety on people's face. Am I going to be the goose? Corporate prayer can be like that too. All right? There's a bunch of people in a room. Perhaps there's a meal. Everybody's wondering. They know somebody's going to have to bless it. Everyone's looking for the Marquila of the group. Where's Marquila? But they don't want to make eye contact because they don't want to be the one that's picked on like right before the meal is about to be served. And, you know, they, they don't want to deal with any of that. So corporate prayer is uncomfortable for us because we're worried about what people think. But how about personal prayer? Is there a specific way you're supposed to do it? Is it standing up, sitting down? Do you have to have your head bowed, eyes open or closed? What happens if your mind starts to wander or you lose your train of thought or you have to lean in and repent of a really ugly sin issue? That's uncomfortable for us because we're worried about what God will think. Prayer may not always be comfortable, but it is always available. The physical church doors aren't always open, like IHOP, 24-7, right? And you may be in really strong community with people, but there's no guarantee that they're going to be available when you need them, even though you know that eventually they will get back to you to talk to you about what you have going on. But our Father in Heaven is always available. And we can pray anywhere, at any time, in any position, and under any circumstance. So we're going to look to a familiar story this morning 
for many of us, a kid's story, um, as we open the Word of God. We're going to be in the book of Daniel, chapter 6. Some of you are already thinking about where we're going to end up being. I'm disappointed Steve Welsh isn't here because, man, he's a huge fan of the book of Daniel, which actually might be a good thing because he probably would rip me up after we get through this whole thing. So Daniel chapter 6, focusing on verses 6 through 12. And this is the word of the Lord. Then, then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors, are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction, that whoever makes petition to any god or man for thirty days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document, so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Some quick context. The Babylonians had conquered Jerusalem and they'd taken Daniel and three of his friends captive when they were young, probably somewhere between the ages of 14 to 17. And they were educated as diplomats and scholars in the court of Babylon, so they were fully immersed in the Babylonian worldview, culture, literature, and religion. But they remained faithful to God and they stood as witnesses to and sometimes illustrations of his sovereignty over even the greatest empires. That's one of the purposes of the book of Daniel, to illustrate and proclaim the sovereignty of God. Eventually, Daniel's influence grows, and he finds himself as one of the most distinguished of three presidents. He's on his way to being set over the entire kingdom, which upsets some people. Daniel's finding favor, and he's climbing the ladder, and some people end up jealous. I'm sure glad that doesn't happen anymore. So the people that were passed over, they start thinking through how they can have Daniel removed. But that proves to be problematic because the scriptures tell us that there wasn't much there to find. But there was one thing. There was one thing that they knew that they could box Daniel in with, and that's what we see here in verse 7. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction. That whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. So Daniel was a favorite of the king. But there was somebody that the king found more favor in. And that was himself. A law or a decree that says that people are only going to pray and worship me for 30 days? That sounds awesome. So we'll pick up in verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors, they all knew that they could get to Daniel because of his prayer life. 
Daniel ended up going to the lion's den because he fully understood what prayer is. We pray because prayer is essential. We define something essential as being absolutely necessary or extremely important. So let's think about some things that are essential for survival. Things like air, water, and food. The world record for somebody going without air is 11 minutes and 35 seconds. I don't know about you guys, I was actually pretty impressed by that. You can go three days without water. Um, If you go three days without water, you'll be in serious trouble. But there are some people in certain conditions that have gone two weeks without water. Believe it or not, we're pretty good at dealing with starvation. Irish political prisoner. I had to be Irish. Irish political prisoner. Terrence McSwiney went 74 days on a hunger strike before passing away. That's crazy. By about day four, I would be so hangry. People would bury me alive. Just not to, they just wouldn't want to deal with me. So I, they, I, they would be, I, I would be done. Prayer was as essential to Daniel as air, water, and food. The text tells us that Daniel only had to go 30 days without prayer to satisfy the decree. 30 days. Daniel's rivals knew. The decree could have been one day. It would have made no difference. When Daniel knew the document had been signed, the text tells us he went to his house as he had done previously and he prayed. Reading through the book of Daniel, we see Daniel captured. He's deported. He's forced into service and he's set up. His circumstances are always changing, but there is one thing in his life that never changes and that's his dedication to prayer. By the time we get to Daniel chapter 6, Daniel had been praying consistently for 70 years years he had tasted blessings from God that were so frequent so full and so gracious that he didn't give a second thought to putting his life at risk by praying so here's a question a question for all of us this morning church what impact would it have on us if they passed a law today that said we couldn't pray for 30 days would we be impacted would we be glad or relieved that they didn't take something away from us that really mattered? Would we be more impacted if they told us that we couldn't watch TV for 30 days? There's one family here I know that doesn't have a TV. So how about the internet? Come on now, I know there are people going down for the internet if they can't have access to the internet for 30 days. There's a key difference that separates Christianity from other belief systems and from other religions. And the difference is exactly the reason why Daniel wouldn't go a single day without praying. Daniel knew that biblical prayer is the point of connection with God through which our relationship with Him grows. Biblical prayer is the point of connection with God through which our relationship with Him grows. God Himself is relational. And the importance of relationship is seen from the first words of Scripture. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Hebrew word used for God there is Elohim. The word Elohim is plural rather than singular. The Bible teaches us that God has eternally existed as three persons in one divine being. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have been in relationship with each other forever. And it's the eternal relationship within the, within the Trinity 
that's extended to us as his creation. God created Adam and Eve so that they could enjoy a relationship with him. And he's created you and I to do the same. He gives us the capacity to worship him and communicate with him. But prayer doesn't automatically mean that you're in relationship. For some belief systems, prayer is centered on effort and obligation. The second pillar of Islam is obligatory prayer. Muslims are called to pray five times a day. So they pray a lot. The words and physical movements of their prayer are all scripted. They're broken down into units called rakuas. They can pray outside of their scheduled prayer times, but they're only encouraged to do so in the form of additional rakuas, additional scripted movements and words. Like other religions and worldviews, Muslims don't believe that you can have a relationship with God. They believe that God is distant and unknowable. I try to help Jessica during the week some and take the girls to school. Um, it, it, it's great for me because I get some dedicated time with them. And even that 12-minute drive is really great when it's, when it's just the girls and I. It kind of forces them to be there with me just a little bit. But this past Friday, I got to take Emma to school. And she got in the car. And from the moment she got in the car, she just talked and talked and talked. I got to hear about how gymnastics was going. I heard about how Lily was grounded. I heard about the latest news with Jay Paul and Logan Paul, who I didn't know, and that was a really big deal. So then we had to run all that back, and she had to tell me about them and Bizarre Vark and the YouTube thing and the controversy, and, and, and it was great. I dropped her off at school, and I immediately called Jessica, and I told her how excited I was about all these things. That I was like, did you know Jay Paul and Logan Paul and Bizarre Vark and the controversy? And of course, Jessica was like, yeah, of course I know that. I mean, you know, it's, but... But hey, that's okay. It's, it's good that you're caught up now. You know, I, I get excited when Avery sends me text messages. They're, all, they're a lot more brief. They're usually three words or less, like, hello, or what's up, brother? You know, but, but it, it makes my day when that happens. When Avery and Emma and Eliana talk to me, I don't want them to do it with scripted words or movement. And I'm always disappointed when they come to me and they're trying to manipulate me into something or earn favor in some way. Not that that ever happens. But it, it makes my day when they reach out to me or they want to be connected to me just because they want to or maybe because they're struggling with something or even when they have a question and even the times when they need to. Being in a relationship with and connected to God is the entire point of the Christian life. The grace-based relationship between God and man is the foundation of Christianity. Most belief systems are man-centered. There's this concept that through our own effort and hard work that we can achieve a, a higher state of, you know, we can reach a higher power or a certain state of being through our own effort. Christians don't get to heaven by being good. We have the opportunity to get to heaven because God is good. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus tells us that not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. He declares to them, those that were doing things in his name, depart from me, I never knew you. It wasn't that Jesus didn't know who they were or that they didn't know who he was. They, they clearly had knowledge of him because they were using his name to their benefit. But they didn't have a relationship with him. Knowing someone and having a relationship with someone are two very different things. Church, maybe you've had a hard time listening to me this morning. 
But try to focus on this one thing for just a second because this is the one thing that changes everything. We have a Father in heaven who desires to be in relationship with us. Think about that for a second. The creator of the universe is interested in you as an individual and me. It's hard to get your head around when you think about it sometimes. Because we live in a world where we feel like we need to trick people. Social media is really good at that. We create an image of ourselves because we're concerned that people won't want to be connected to us or won't like us if they know who we really are. We can't trick God. And it's a beautiful thing. He sees us for who we really are and He loves us. And He desires a relationship with us anyway. Not a manufactured one, but an intimately connected one. I have a friend who's in the military. He spent considerable time in Iraq and Afghanistan. And uh, he, he bears the physical scars for having done so. He's a multiple Purple Heart recipient. But in addition to that, uh, he carries emotional scars with him that most people don't see or understand. I was talking to him one day about his relationship with Jesus and he was listening to me very patiently and um, he finally leaned in to my personal space within just a couple of inches from my face. And he said, you don't understand. He said, you don't understand where I come from and you don't understand the things that I did overseas. There's no way I can go to heaven. It doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter what our family history is. And it doesn't matter what emotional burdens you're carrying today. The God who created us in His image wants us to seek Him out. Because He desires to walk with us through all of our personal struggles. How much does our Creator want to be in a relationship with us? He was willing to pay the highest price possible. The life of Jesus, His only Son. Jesus' death was substitutionary, meaning that He died in our place for a death that we deserved. The sacrifice on the cross reconciles us to Him and it opens the door wide open to a relationship that's eternal. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not sure what a relationship with Jesus looks like. Maybe you have knowledge of Him. Maybe you don't. But a relationship with Jesus, it starts with repentance, which is turning away from sin and faith. Faith in Jesus will transform your life. And faith is a relationship word. It means that you believe that He is all that He says He is. And that his promises will be kept. It's waking up every day and trusting him. And following him. Because you know that the love that he has for you, it'll never fail. It's the only thing that will never fail. Relationship with God is at the heart of prayer. And we open our hearts to God when we pray. Maybe some of you are like me. And you struggle to have the prayer life that you should. Let's run down a few things practically. They can help us have a more vibrant prayer life. The first one, 
is being intentional. It's being intentional. I struggled with using the word being intentional because inten- the word intentional can be such an overused word in church. But I believe it's entirely appropriate here. Prayer seems to fall into the if I can get to it category. If I don't get to it today, I can always double up on it tomorrow. There's always Sunday. I go to a church that prays a lot. Always praying. I think oftentimes we look at prayer and we say, we'll get to it after we get through all the really important things that need to get done. But I don't think that's the way that we should see it. I love this quote by Martin Luther. I have so much to do today that I'm going to need to spend three hours in prayer in order to be able to get it all done. I have so much to do today that I'm going to need to spend three hours in prayer in order to be able to get it all done. Imagine what our prayer lives, what our lives in general would look like if we thought that way. Shannon opened up the new year by talking about rhythm, bragging about his just dance skills. I bet Shannon and I, we actually talked about this a little bit this morning, I bet Shannon and I could have a battle for the ages for the person with the least amount of rhythm. We've been, we've been known to have some just dance battles at the Wheat Home too, although I will concede that his just dance nickname of Daddy Dancer, vastly superior to mine, vastly superior to mine, which we're not going to share. Being intentional will help you develop a prayer rhythm. Some people prefer to start their day with prayer. Other people prefer to end their day with it, and some people do both. I do suggest something consistent, but I don't think that one is better than the other. And I would encourage you to talk to God often throughout the day. It's impossible to know somebody without spending time with them. How can you have a relationship with somebody without spending time together and without communicating? We need to be intentional about our time with God. The second thing we can do to have a more vibrant prayer life is listen. I'm sure there's some ladies in this room who think their husband has no shot at this one. Jessica might be one of those people. Is God someone you can hear? Absolutely. And God's word is his voice. The word of God is alive and it speaks to us when we read it, when we meditate on it, and when we memorize it. Shannon preached to kick off the new year on 2 Timothy 3.16 that all scripture is breathed out by God. And this reminds us that we worship a God that isn't distant or hidden, but a God who speaks. From cover to cover in the Bible, we see a God who speaks to his people. In Genesis 1, we see repeatedly that God spoke, and it was so. When God speaks, things happen. If someone that you were really interested in wrote a book, wouldn't you want to read it? I know there are shows you guys are watching about people that you're really interested in. We have a book that's written that tells the story about who God is. And the more we read it, the more we'll position ourselves to hear from Him and understand the love that He has for us. When we listen to God with a humble, teachable spirit, we discover a life that's full and rich with purpose. The third thing that we can do, and final thing I'll cover this morning about how we can have a vibrant prayer life is to pray with our heart and not our head. Daniel's prayer life was intentional. It was consistent. He listened by reading the scriptures and he prayed with his heart. And some of you may wonder how I know that. I know that because you see him pour his heart out in prayer as he kicks off chapter 9. 
The heart is relational, but the head can be mechanical and clinical. One way to kill your prayer life is to overthink it or to see it as an opportunity to demonstrate your theological superiority. We lose sight of how simple prayer is supposed to be. God is far more interested in our hearts and the desire that we have to connect with Him in prayer than He is in our words or the depth of our knowledge. And this is a really beautiful thing because sometimes we struggle to communicate well. Sometimes we find ourselves in a position where we, say, where, we, where we look and we go, God, I meant to say, or I wish I would have said. Or we're in a conversation with somebody and we get a few minutes in and we, we, we realize they're just, not, they're just not following me. Well, the beautiful thing about God is that He knows not only what we're saying, but what we mean to say. Jesus does give us a guide on how to pray. And we see a lot of examples in Scripture but there's no magic formula to it. We pray to be in relationship with God because we understand and recognize that that relationship is the most essential thing in our life. That makes prayer one of the greatest things we can do. It's one of the greatest things we can do for our relationship with God and it's one of the greatest things that we can do for our relationship with others. Another quote that I'm really drawn to by Martin Luther says, To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Daniel was told he couldn't pray for 30 days without violating the law or putting himself at risk. So I have a 30-day challenge for us this morning, church. Shannon kicked off the new year and he challenged us to go four for four to be at church every Sunday in the month of January. I'm going to challenge us. To take the next 30 days and focus on the relationship that we have that matters the most. And to be intentional about the time that we spend in prayer with our Father in Heaven. It's my hope that when people look at Redeemer Church, they see a place that focuses on the fundamentals. That they see a place that's dedicated to prayer, dedicated to reading God's Word, and dedicated to being in community. Because I know that a place that's dedicated to those things will love and serve people well. If you're here this morning and you're not sure what a relationship with Jesus looks like or you have a question about a relationship, what a relationship with Jesus looks like, I would love to visit with you after the service today. I'll be in room five. If you're here this morning and you have questions about the relationship between God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, I'd love to visit with you about those things as well. Let's pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for the opportunity to come to this place. For the opportunity to be somewhere where we know you are. And God, we know you're here because your word tells us so. Father, Scripture calls us to pray. We know that there's a certain obedience element to prayer, but God, we're also just so thankful for the way that your word teaches us and shows us that the most important aspect of prayer is relationship. God, I would just pray for all of us this morning that we could sit in that for just a second. To sit in, in the fact that you desire a relationship with each of us. God, I pray that we would explore that by reading your word. That you would help us understand the love that you have for us. Father, I pray that we would focus on the fundamentals and as we do so, 
that the fruit of that would be a light that shines so bright on our community, would be a group of people that love and serve people so well that folks outside these walls would understand instantly that there's something different and that that something different ties back to who you are and the price that Jesus paid for us on the cross. Father, we love you this morning and we ask for all of these things in the saving name of Jesus Christ. Amen.